On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And then if you could uh, give your oxygen tanks a stir. What did you do? Nothing. I stirred the tanks. Whoa. Uh, this is Houston. Uh, say again, please. Houston, we have a problem. Apollo 13 was launched um, on the 11th of April, 1970, and was destined for the moon until an explosion left astronauts Jim Lovell, Fred Hayes, Jacks. Jack Swigert stranded in space. And mission, mission Control had the task of finding out how to get the crew safely home. The crew had limited power, faced great hardship, the realization of the possibility of death, and all the crew's safe return was in the hands of those back in Houston, almost 200,000 miles away. Imagine then, in that moment, Houston became more than just the name of where the Apollo 13 had launched from. Houston became the difference between life and death. Whilst the crew remained stuck in space, Houston were frantically working out how to get them safely back to Earth. Suddenly, who Houston was and what Houston said carried with it a whole new meaning. You see, Apollo 13, weren't they? They were, they were facing a situation outside of their control. They were in desperate need of help, and there was only one place they could get it. Can you imagine that? The terror, the panic, being alone. Now, I'm, I'm not an astronaut, and I'm guessing most of us here are not astronauts, but there are times, aren't there, in our lives when we, too, need a lifeline. Times when we feel stranded, when all seems to be going well, and then suddenly there's an explosion. Something happens out of our control 
that we didn't see coming. And the question facing each of us here this afternoon is this. Where do you go when life is spinning out of control? What do you do? And today we're going to take a look at a time in the life of the early followers of Jesus who themselves faced a difficult situation. A situation outside of their control. A time when they desperately needed a lifeline. But to help us understand that, we're going to first take a quick look around the passage. I'm going to pray, though, before we do that. Let's just pray. Our Father, we thank you that however we are this afternoon, Lord, whatever's going on in this very moment, we thank and praise you that you are with us. And we ask now that you would help us, that we would, as we open this passage, Lord, hear from you. Lord, please, by your spirit, would you speak to each of us this afternoon. Lord, we thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So first, we'll see then in verse 23 that we read, on their release. You see that there? On their release. So you see, Peter and John, they've they've just been arrested. And we see that in verse 3 of chapter 4. And why have they been arrested? Because they were speaking about Jesus. It's what they've been called to do, and it's, it's all they've wanted to do ever since they met the Lord Jesus and witnessed his death, burial, and resurrection. In chapter 3, Peter healed a lame beggar, and his message is very clear. Don't look at us. Look at Jesus. It's Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed the lame beggar. And in chapter 4, the authorities, they know it. In verse 7, they question Peter and John. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaks. And verse 13, they see the courage of Peter and John and realise that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. So the authorities are disturbed. They want to shut them up. So they threaten them and command them not to speak. But look at verse 20 of chapter 4. Verse 20. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. You see, it's it's all that Peter and John want to do, to speak about Jesus. And here we see them, opposed, threatened, facing opposition, and it's what Jesus said would happen. In in John's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 2, we read, when Jesus was teaching his disciples about the coming Holy Spirit, he said, they will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. And so here we have Peter and John returning to their own people and they reported what happened. 
And what did the believers do? When their mission was in danger, when the threat of imprisonment and death was closing in, well, they pray. Look at that, verse 24. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. I want us to see in two things, I think, we can learn from this prayer. Two ways that God emboldens us by his Holy Spirit when facing hardship or opposition. So number one, God speaks. Okay, number one, God speaks. Look at me at verse 25. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. You see, when we're in trouble, words mean everything, don't they? Uh, think of the Apollo 13 crew. They were floating in space. And how they would have clung onto every word that came from the voices of those back in Houston. See, they wouldn't wanted to have missed, would they, a single word. Because what Houston said mattered now more than anything. And notice here, as the believers pray, what do they do? Well, they lean on God's word. They cling to it. And, and this is Christians, I think, this should really excite us. I mean, are you excited? The, the, the Bible we've got in, in front of us, these are not just human words, books written by men, but these are the very words of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, all scripture is God-breathed. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 11, the word of God is alive and active. And I think it's important to remember this because um, I love this story. Um, you've heard the, the American evangelist Billy Graham. Yep. And when it, there was a point early on in his ministry when Billy Graham was facing doubts and he was beginning to question the authority of the Bible. And one evening, uh, Billy, after much prayer and study, uh, he, he walked out into the forest came to a tree stump, he knelt down, and he put his Bible on the, the stump in front of him, and he prayed, Oh God, there are many things in this book I do not understand. There are many problems with it for which I, I have no solution. Father, I am going to accept this word by faith. I believe this to be your inspired word. And another time when Billy Graham, speaking on the work of the Holy Spirit and the Bible, said, the Holy Spirit can take God's word of truth and minister it to our deepest needs. And this, I think, this is what's happening in Acts 4, what the believers are doing. You see, they pray Psalm 2. And in praying Psalm 2, they invite God's word to have the final say. You see, it, look, it looks like the rulers are winning, doesn't it? It looks like the authorities have the final word, but no. As they recall what God has spoken, they can pray, verse 27, Indeed, 
Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you have anointed. They did this. They did what your power and will have decided beforehand. Now, we need to be careful here, I think, because this, this isn't saying that when in trouble or seeking to help someone, we need to simply sort of throw a Bible verse at them, like a some Bible grenade. If we do that, we can be in danger of completely missing um, people where they're at. We can do more harm than good. But there's more going on here. Because it's not so much what, about what is being said, but about who is speaking. Now, I'm not the most adventurous person, but I can remember a time when I went caving several times. And I can tell you that when my instructor was explaining what we, what we were about to do and, and how to use the equipment and how only a handful of people had died in the cave, I, I was listening. But I was also questioning his credentials. Did he really know what he was talking about? How many times has he been in the cave? When did he qualify? as an outdoor activity instructor. Is he qualified? Because if he is just a keen amateur who has never actually been caving before, who is admittedly a bit scared of the dark, then he can talk for hours, but his words are meaningless. See here, verse 25, you spoke. Who? Who is speaking? They raised their voices in prayer to the God, Sovereign Lord. Oh my. So my life might be spinning out of control. I might feel stranded like a spaceman. I'm up in space, man. Up in space. I wasn't going to do this, but I will. I've searched around the universe, been down some black holes. There's nothing but space, man. And I want to go home, says Sam Ryder. You're not with me, you probably are. <laughs> but see, the sovereign Lord, who is the true king, isn't he? The rightful ruler, that even when the nations are raging, and they're raging, aren't they? Even when people were conspiring and banding together against God's anointed, even then he was in control. Verse 28 again. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. <clears throat> to see the confidence this would have given them. And God spoke then and he speaks now. But are we listening? When we pray, are we going to the Bible? So God speaks, but also God sees. That's the number two, God sees. And when it comes to the, what the early believers um, asked, we might be a bit surprised, okay? Stop the persecution, no. Take away our suffering, no. Make the authorities pay, 
All right, they're really bad. No. Make life easier for us. No. Look at verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Or look upon their threats. See, rather than praying for God to take them out of their situation, they invite God to be with them in it. Now, this, this doesn't mean it's wrong to ask God to take things away. The Apostle Paul pleaded with the Lord to remove what he called a thorn in the flesh, if you remember that. But you remember, Peter and John, all they wanted to do, wasn't it, was to speak about Jesus. And all the authorities were set on doing was, was silencing them. So their focus was firmly set on speaking God's word with great boldness, on being witnesses for the name of Jesus. And one of the ways they witnessed to the resurrected Lord Jesus was through the performing of signs and wonders. And we saw that back in chapter 3. And as the authorities had noted, these signs were clear evidence of who Jesus was. In chapter 2, verse 22, we read, chapter 2, verse 22, Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. And so they pray, verse 30, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now I know that, that we'll all be facing different things here this afternoon, and our struggles are real. And there is a danger when, when preaching about prayer, and especially in, in some sort of Christian cultures, that we end up hearing, you've just got to pray harder. Like pray more. You know, do this. Stop doing that. And we turn prayer into some kind of legalistic thing, and we, we end up feeling guilty, either because we find prayer hard, or we feel like we're doing it wrong, or others are better than us, or even worse, it doesn't work. I'm still stuck. I'm still stranded. It still feels like there's nothing but space. But do you know what really transforms our prayer life? That the Sovereign Lord isn't the only one who made everything. Okay? Isn't the only one who has spoken. The one who is in all and over all. He is also the one who has looked down. He's seen our distress. He's entered into it. He sees See, unlike Houston, the people were busily working, weren't they, in mission control. They were separated from Apollo 13 by hundreds of thousands of miles, limited by radio communication. <clears throat> Yet if, if you are a Christian here this afternoon, your God, our God, the Sovereign Lord, isn't distant, isn't far away but has, if you like, entered the space module of your life. He has come to us in the person of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And as we see in the Gospels, Jesus, throughout the Gospels, do you know what he does? We see him doing this every moment when he faced temptation, when he faced danger, hardship, opposition, persecution, and a, even a brutal and bloody death on a cross. We see him praying. In the desert, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In the garden, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. And on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? <clears throat> See, Jesus Christ felt and knew the ultimate black hole, separation from the Father that we deserve for our sin, the explosion of God's wrath in our place, so that we might know forgiveness and a way back home to God. And you might say, well, what's this got to do about prayer? <clears throat> Jim Lovell, who piloted Apollo 13, said this, you know, I could put my thumb up to a window and completely hide the earth. And I thought, everything I've ever known is behind my thumb. Do you know the one who created everything, who made you, he made you for himself, to know him, and everything you've ever known, ever done, he's seen it, he knows it, nothing is hidden from his sight. And this is good news, because the cross says, the cross says, I love you, I died for you. And so when life hits us, when the explosions come, we have a confidence, not in ourselves, not in our circumstances, but we can have a confidence in the one who, if you like, has loved us to the moon and back. Because when speaking to his disciples about the promised Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another to help you, to be with you, the spirit of truth. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And I wonder if this is, for many of us, maybe this afternoon, we felt abandoned. We felt left alone. In our different ways, we're, we're all marked, aren't we, by the circumstances, by those explosions of life. Out of our control. And the promise of God's Holy Spirit is this. I will not leave you. I am with you. I am in you. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. See, Apollo 13 made it home. But see the wonder of the gospel here. That the sovereign Lord who made heaven and earth, has made his home in you by his spirit. So when we're knocked off course, we can have confidence. In verse 31, that's what they do, isn't it? After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So as they go to God in prayer, we see God filling them with his presence, enabling them to speak about Jesus. So where do you go when life is spinning out of control? What do you do? Let's pray. Our God, we thank you, Sovereign Lord, that you are over all things. And Lord, we think back to that time when the disciples were shaken. And we know, Lord, for each one of us here this afternoon, that in our own way, we are shaken. We pray that as we, Lord, go through life, when we find ourselves in those moments when life feels out of control, we thank you that you are with us by your Holy Spirit. We pray this, you would help us to keep going to you, the, the God who speaks. We pray that you would help us to keep remembering that you are the God who sees, that you have drawn near to us. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.